Welcome to Proven. My name is Krista Chang, and here we have my co-host, Josh Maida. Today, we will be going over mental health and what it has to do with our identity. Today on Proven, we have Mr. Dean Cullinan. Despite being the boys' dean and vice principal at Weimar Academy, Mr. Dean is the soon father of two and host of the Why They Did That podcast. If you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend you to give it a listen. Available on all platforms. We are excited to have him here with us today. Thank you very much. I'm excited also. Our first question for you is, what does mental health have to do with identity? What does mental health have to do with identity? Well, I think that in order to be able to have like an actual identity, a sound identity, one that is accurate, um, you need to be of the right mind. You know, if you're if you're struggling mentally, um, it can be quite difficult to maybe nail down who you are, what you're thinking, what you think about yourself, um, what makes you you. So I would say that it is important to be in a good mental space when asking those those serious questions. You know, who am I? What am I meant to do? Why am I here? You definitely don't want to be asking those questions, you know, under sustained duress or when you're going through a crisis. Although sometimes the crisis can help bring out who we actually are. Are our surroundings of a good amount of impact on our mental health? So... Per se, you have someone that's grown up in a good family versus someone who's grown up in a bad family. Would you say that it would necessarily mean that they would become a less characteristic of a good person? Have that? Would they own the characteristic of a good person when they become older, even if they grew up in a bad home setting? Or would would you say that that has anything to do with the person you're becoming or your identity? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's the nature versus nurture argument. Um, I don't think that your surroundings completely dictate who you're going to be. The same way I don't think that your genetics completely dictate who you're going to be. Um, I think that it is a mixture of the nature and the nurture and also um, a mixture of the Holy Spirit working in your life, which sometimes we we leave out. Um, so there are people that come from extremely difficult backgrounds and families, as you mentioned. Um, and those backgrounds almost fuel them to be better and to aim higher and to break away from perhaps what has been holding members of their family down. And others will come from a, a similar background that will just keep that broken chain going. So I don't think it is, it's a conclusive marker, although yeah, if, if if you've had it hard, I guess it's more likely that you'll continue to have it hard. But as someone that is that, that came from a relatively poor um, upbringing and, you know, single parent home, um, very fragmented family, um, I can say that with God, all things are possible. Well, we did have a second question, but we actually just answered it just now. Thank you for sharing your kind of testimony, I guess. Because mm. as a student we're here, we've heard your testimony a bit. Sure. I was going to ask about that, which was you do come from a rough background. So how did, because now you are the dean of the boys, and I know uh, from my brother's testimony that you are just 
absolutely amazing. Your mental health. <laughs> if you're amazing, that means you know who you are and your mental health is just on point. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to that point? And when did the Holy Spirit start healing sure. you and your mind? Yeah, this is a this is a mystery to me. I know that's not a great answer. Um, but I've often had these conversations with my wife where um like I, I rarely get stressed. Um, I quite like working in pressurized environments. Um, I don't freak out or lose it. I don't get tired much. I, I feel like mentally I'm strong, but I have no idea why. Um, it's not something that I really intentionally worked on. Um, all I can say is that um, I, had, I had many difficulties growing up, both as a child and, and then those were kind of exasperated as a teenager. Um, but once, I guess once once the Lord found me, um, He helped heal my mind from the the pain that I'd put it through and that which others had put it through. Um, but I I do feel <laughs> I'm not boasting. I do feel quite strong um, in terms of my mind. Um, but I just I don't know why. I think I think God knew I would probably need that. So to what would would you attribute your mental health state right now to God or would you say it's a mix of just the circumstances that surrounded you as you grew up do you think in any way that fueled you yeah, I think so I think so um I had to learn things really young um I was essentially you know a dad at eight nine years old when I had a, a younger brother and had to you know neither of our fathers were around so I had to step up and I feel like I missed a lot of my childhood um, and was forced to grow up really young. So there's that. I think that plays a part. Um, but also, I think that I've been blessed to have some awesome mentors, um, some people that I look up to greatly that have helped me through various things in my life. Um, and yeah, I think that, that God has most certainly played a part, but it's not just a spiritual thing. You know, God gives us... Um, the opportunity through our lifestyle, through, you know, whether that be the foods that we eat or exercise routines, you know, all of those things. I think those can all play a part into in um, becoming a, a healthier person, both physically and mentally. So here at Weimar, we know that we get exercise because in the academy, the college has it nice and easy because the cafeteria is right from their dorm. But we walk all the way from one side of campus to the other, at least, at the minimum, twice a day. Right, which is a mile. Oh, wow. Okay, that's actually not that much. Like maybe 1.2. Okay. Actually, I do want to bring up running group because I'm not sure if that helps me mentally. But So, tell me more about that. Does exercise help? our mental health and do you think actually in your life because i know you like soccer so do you think that helped your mental health yeah absolutely um when i was between i would guess you know about the age of 16 to 19 was maybe when i was having the most difficulties in my life um it was also when i was most active and i was very able to just kind of push through that um and i think the exercise did play a part and even now um you know the last four months I would say of my life I've adopted a very regimented exercise routine where I try and you know go for a 5k walk every day 
you know, at least half an hour in the gym, four or five times a week. And um, I've definitely felt like, I feel like right now, I feel like I'm in my prime. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and I guess just kind of being at home and, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of potential stresses in, in that, you know, my wife is pregnant right now. We have a one-year-old. There's a lot happening. And so I think that God really just helped me out by, by um, really putting this desire in my heart to, to awaken from my, from my stupor, you know, that you kind of get when you know, you've just had a child and there's so much happening, so much changing that maybe you don't prioritize your own health. And so now that I've really started to do that, I feel so much better. That's really amazing. I think us as academy students really need to work on being so inspired by you. Exercise is just so amazing. <laughs> you guys do it. You do it every day. Maybe do it more. We'll see what we can do next year to help you out. <laughs> we'll see. And then what about, I mean, the nutrition aspect mm -hmm. of it. Like what we intake will influence our insides, not only physically, but mentally. Yeah, absolutely. Your brain needs energy and it needs nutrients and all the good stuff um, and I mean you can feel this you know like you go out to eat you get a big meal and what do you want to do after that you want to sleep because your body's just taxed and your brain's like oh man that was just that was just too much like if you saw the amount of food that Josh ate today at Chipotle for example you know um, or Marcus even who had the big one of the biggest pizzas I've ever seen um, but you know, it was good food in that sense. You know, it was healthy ingredients, fresh. Um, but I absolutely think that, you know, what you put in is going to largely dictate what you're able to, like what your output is. Um, and that's why I think that the best thing for us is a, is a plant-based diet. Um, and science shows that even adopting that on like a part-time basis can have one, like a wondrous effect on your health. Um, and that's something that I really appreciate about our school here is that we um, we really emphasize having plant-based food. Uh, we can't put it in your mouth for you. Wonderful so plant-based sure diet. Just get the coffee cake. Um, you know, the salad there as well. Maybe you'll eat it. Maybe you won't. Salad for breakfast. Woo. Hey, every little helps. I think we get plenty of it at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. I think something I've been noticing as we're going along is there are so many factors making up mental health. Yeah, and we're, we're getting more ideas. What are what are some, what do you say, we have a ton of factors, but what do you think are the biggest factors in determining who we become in the future and our mental health state, like healthy or terrible? Biggest factors. Um, you know, there's certain key decisions that we all have to make at one point or another. Um, the decision, I guess, which is the most important as to whether or not you're going to follow the Lord, you know, um, truly, like if he actually has your heart or if you're just kind of in this until you're not. I think that's a, that's a massive decision and one that can greatly dictate where your life goes. Um, I think who you're choosing to spend your life with um, your friends, those people that will eventually become family, you know, spouse, in-laws. I think that plays a part. Um, your career choice, you know, if you feel like you, you're just having to work to make ends meet, that's a vastly different mental space than 
oh, I'm just waking up and I cannot wait to go to work today and just, you know, do what I'm good at. And, you know, that's those are two vastly different things. I've been on both sides of that spectrum. And I can tell you that the latter is definitely preferred. Um, and I think perhaps one of the greatest um, indicators for, for this is if you feel like you have a purpose. You know, if, if you're just existing, then you're not really going to be um, prospering in that sense. I think it's important that you know why you're here and why what you're doing matters. I, I would say you hear a lot of people going, oh, well, you're just a teenager. You're just a freshman. You're just a sophomore, even maybe up to your junior year. Senior years when it's like, oh, you need to kind of think about what you're going to mm. do. But when you're, especially like the underclassmen, you can just chill. You can relax. You don't have anything to worry about. Why are you worrying yourself about what you're going to become in the future or what your purpose is? But what do you? Th where do you think we should start discovering or start trying to search into what our purpose or potential purpose is? Yeah. And what can we do to discover that purpose? What What can we do on our own part? Sure. Yeah, I think I think that you know when when you are at such a young age. It's, it's not the worst advice to say, hey, like, enjoy your teenage years. Have fun. Make memories. You know, maybe do things that you wouldn't normally do. Live a little. I think sometimes we get so bogged down by, oh, you know, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. Um, I would say that these, these years, they are formative, but they're also, I think, primed for you to just explore. Try different things. You know, try and get well outside your comfort zone and just see what you can do, what you enjoy. Um, and I think that if you are an honest and genuine person, that as you mature, as your relationship with God matures, um, these things will start to become more and more obvious. You know, as you do the work that lies nearest, you know, further doors will be opened. Um, and I think it will... I think it will be obvious to anyone who is following the Lord with all their heart what they meant. That leads us to our next question, which mm -hmm. is, how does Weimar and the staff and all, you know, mm -hmm. uh, influence us in helping us discover our identity as young Christian adults? Sure. I think that um, something that all of us have in common as a staff body there is that we are all very aware of the mistakes that we've made, um, both recently and further back. You remember how it was to be a teenager. Yeah, and remember maybe some key things that we got wrong, you know. And, and sometimes that can lead you to being overprotective and very zealous for people to do things, you know, very, you know, matter-of-factly. Um, I think the other way that can go is that you have a grace. And you say, no, I remember how difficult it was to, to do that, to be like this, and et cetera, et cetera. And therefore, they need the same room to grow that I was afforded. Um, so I would say, you know, we, we're, we're far from perfect. We have um, pasts that we're very happy to leave behind. And um, I think that influences perhaps how we do um, relate to the young people at the school to you guys and also our thoughts towards you because it's one thing to say oh yeah you know just a little junior girl she doesn't really know what she's doing 
um, it's another thing to say, wow, I can see a lot of growth. You know, I see growth in you guys, like to, to a degree that is just, you cannot compare it to what most of us would have gone through when we were younger. Like it's, it's not even close. And I think that you, you've benefited a lot from being in an environment where you're encouraged to grow, to be yourself, to find the Lord. And a lot of us didn't have that when we were younger. So we're, we're very adamant that, that you do, that you have that space to grow and that we're putting as much around you as possible to facilitate that growth. I think I actually want to answer that question myself. Go for it. Because you just reminded me of the growth mm -hmm. that I've, that we and actually all the students here at Weimar have. But the question, um, how does Weimar influence, influence us? in discovering our identity as young Christians, um, young Christian adults actually is. So when I first came here, I was, my thought pattern was the same as my parents. And so a lot of these faulty um, thinking processes also happened in my brain. So especially um, blame is a, a big thing in my family and it passed down onto me where I have to do something with blame and I would just put it all on me and I realized that is from my family it's just a thought pattern that we all do and I need to correct it and it was actually mm, our first dean uh, Hannah Buchiran and Miss Darling Colonna and your wife who uh, let me know that that was an issue and it needed to be worked on and so yeah just going off of what you said the staff know and remember how they were when they were younger and so they're able to help us to become a better person because they're now a better person and they're able to do that for us and that's like my own testimony for here and it's just it's amazing i think that is the that's the purpose of a mentor in that i think every genuine good mentor wants their pupil for lack of a better word to exceed them you know why why would i be investing my time so that you can just reach my standard you know i need to be able to help you go beyond i think that's where where true progression lies you know it's not just okay you have a little issue let me help you with that um, but now how like how can we get you to the stars you know how can we have you, I guess, as you would say, living your best life or even beyond that, you know, what what God's best life for you would be. So I think that's that's when true mentorship um, is really effective, is when we're propelling you beyond the mentor. Um, so um, off this, your subject of mentors, as, as teenagers, we probably all have people that we look up to. And if they're a good mentor, they usually, including the staff, the staff always, as you mentioned, have gone through the same stuff that we've gone through or even more stuff and they're always trying to look out for us and tell them where they made the same mistakes or that we might be trying to make or maybe making and there's a part where it comes to are you going to allow us to make that mistake and learn for ourselves so it has holds more weight to it in our future where we say wow i remember when i did that and oh, well, this and that and that happened because of it and I never want to do it again. Or will you just say it to us and will it be something where we just have to take your word? Yeah. 
I guess to some some degree, it would depend on the people because then some people would just take someone's word for it. Like, yeah, I want to touch that. But there are, especially, I would say rebellion is huge in our teenage years. People are like all about, well, I don't want to do what they're saying. Well, and they're always saying, well, who says they know better than me, even though they've lived significantly longer, where it's like almost kind of dumb. But I guess when you're blinded by anger or blinded by, I don't know, a bad grade or something, you might kind of have that type of mindset. Why would they know better than me? I'm right. They're wrong. How do you guys deal with, you know, problems when they come up in our lives? Do you want us to be able to learn how to solve them on our own and have that type of experience that comes along with it, more added weight? Or would you say it's better for us to take the staff's word for it, to take God's word for it in the end and just live a better life? It's a good question. Um, I think that that is the kind of, Garden of Eden conundrum, you know, where God says, hey, don't eat from this tree. Eat from every other one, but just don't eat from this. And um, Satan, of course, says, no, you can. You know, you can allow curiosity to get the better of you and it won't be at all harmful. Of course, that's a lie. So I, I, I think really um, God's preference is that we graduate through the school of... Um, um, I think I think God's preference is that we graduate from um, the school of instruction. Um, but yes, some of us do enroll in the school of experience. School of hard knocks. That's what yeah. my dad likes to say. He <laughs> yeah, goes, yeah. you can take my word for it. Or you can take the school of hard knocks or right. my way or the highway. Yeah, and, and I think I think there is an element of truth to that. Even if you look at Jesus' um, conversation with with Thomas. He's like, no, no, that's fine. You you needed to touch my hands to to know that this was true. But blessed are those that will believe without seeing. You know, I think that's that's really where faith is. And um, yeah, I think as a staff, you want to just be able to say, look, these are the experiences that we've had. And more importantly, these are the experience that the patriarchs and the prophets and the apostles have had in the scripture. And, you know, they said that the Bible was written and that that their experiences were recorded so that we would learn from them, so that we wouldn't have to make those same mistakes. Um, but we are a stubborn-headed people, you know. Um, all we like sheep have gone astray. And I think that God would much rather we obeyed. And if you look at Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water, God's preference is that we would walk on water, you know. Um, but we might sink. And in that case, He's there for us to call out to as well, and he's still willing to save. Um, so I, that's that's where I'd kind of put that. I would say, you know, as as a staff, we want to be able to teach and say, hey, look, this this is right and this is wrong. But then we also have to be willing to step back and say, okay, now you choose which way you want to go, because you know, God doesn't force us. Therefore, we have no right to force you. You have to be free. Um, to make mistakes in order to truly be able to learn. So to some degree, Weimar is actually our, our home away from home. And so being in a home, especially as teenagers, we're not just left to run rampant. We have, there's some sort of discipline involved along with that. But um, you see some homes where there's some very strict discipline. And the, especially in the early years, you would see, or you it would appear to most families that wow, this family has it all together. They have their stuff together. They're almost like, a, I don't know, a military 
great family. They do everything right. And all these families look up to them. But then you see in a few years, when they hit their teenage years, maybe young adult years, that there's a rebound. And they, they switch drastically from the good kid that you thought that they'd become, the great person that you thought they'd become, to someone that is the opposite of that. Whereas they're out in the world doing whatever that they they like to do. How would you say discipline um, at Weimar Academy would have to do with who you become in the future, your identity? Sure. That's a great question. Um, I think discipline is one of those necessary components of life where someone that is not disciplined in any sense will grow up to be, you know, a very kind of egotistical menace to society. Um, and those that are, as you hinted at, disciplined maybe to like a military standard, um, perhaps are inhibited by that and struggle with that well beyond their years. Um, at the school, we see discipline as being um, redemptive in its nature. In that, why why discipline? Why correct? if the point of that isn't to lead them back to Jesus. Um, so I would say that philosophically, well, let me pause on that point. I think you, we have an opportunity as, as parents to break, as parents and teachers, to break students. You know, we have that kind of power. Um, and I think, you know, even when you look at asking students to leave your school or expelling them, um, I think that that could have a truly detrimental effect on their on their life. You know that the result of that decision, um, whether justified or not, could lead them down a path that you know is completely altered from what it would have been otherwise. So it's it's a big burden. Um, it's something that requires a lot of prayer. It's something where you really have to be surrendered to the Lord to know is this how to handle this situation. Um, as a dean, I'm putting that um, in that place, not all the time, thankfully, but from time to time. And um, it's challenging. It's the part of the job that no one likes, um, but it, the job doesn't exist. It has no purpose without it. Because um, I said, if, if the discipline is redemptive, then I think it can be salvational. It can have the completely opposite effect. It can take someone that is, you know, on the path to destruction and really kind of help correct them. You referenced your brother a little earlier. And I'm not going to go into any detail there, um, but he he had, you know, some struggles in his early years. And I think that um, he's a strong man, a strong young man. But I think there was also some people that played a, a good part in getting him back on the right path. And um, I think that, you know, when when the person is kind of restored and they see the beauty in that and they have the gratitude that comes from that, I think you can really start to see true development. So it's it's actually an exciting thing as much as it is a, oh, here we go again. I agree with you. It's exciting to, I mean, I don't want this to sound uh, weird in any way, but it is exciting to be disciplined because when you find out something about your character where you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know I was that rebellious. Mm -hmm. 
I actually have that experience often here where you're rebellious had to literally stop it. Chloe White, <laughs> let's call her out, actually has to pull me aside and say, sweetie, you are rebellious. And I was shocked. So it's I mean, I'm going off on a little tangent here, but it's amazing because God will place people in your life who will let you know things about your identity, your right. growing identity. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Um, right now we're teenagers. Our brains are jelly, and there are just things that we don't know about e- ourselves. Yeah. And there may even be things that we don't want mm-hmm. to know that was passed from our parents, actually. Or maybe even not just influence from our surroundings or anything, or it's just us. And if it came from your parents, then, you know, good chance it came from theirs. Just passed down. Never been caught and never been dealt with. Um, let's move on to why is it important for us to establish stable and balanced mental health? Well, I think, you know, the vast majority of our life is lived in our head, you know, and there needs to be a good element of stability up there, you know, for everything else to be working down here. And um, I, I think that it's something that is getting, is more emphasized nowadays, which is good. I think there's a lot more science that's coming out about the mind, how it works, how it can work efficiently and how you can really get the best out of it and how you can hinder it and destroy it, neutralize it. Um, so I, I think that it's it's incredibly important because there's going to be times, as I said before, where you have to make some some seriously key decisions. And it's far more likely that you're going to get those things right if you have been looking after yourself. You know, not selfishly, but also not neglecting yourself. Some people, I think, can be so other-centric that they eventually have nothing to offer because they lose themselves. Um, so I think that there does need to be a balance between giving and receiving. There does need to be a balance between um, being someone's friend and ministering to them and having friends that minister to you. I think there needs to be a balance between your physical and your mental and your spiritual and your social. And um, it's I think it's in the heart of those four things that that life exists. Well, going off of your, some pe- sometimes people can get so high off of themselves, I guess, in a mm. sense, that they start to actually lose themselves. That's where God comes into the equation. And that's where he's absolutely necessary to, for us to invite him into our life, in our teenage years, mm. so that he can say, you are my child mm. and you know who you are. So whatever anyone says about you to you or in any way, to you, just remember you're my child and that's yeah. your identity. And I think yeah. what, um, what an example mm-hmm. we have in that regard. You know, if you're looking for prime mental health, you look no further than the Son of God Himself. You know, imagine waking up every day knowing that the, the fate of the entire world rests on your shoulders. You know, that kind of pressure and stress to know that if you give in once, everything falls apart like on the worst possible scale. And yet we can see that with all of that, with all of that mental stress and no doubt mental fatigue, 
Um, Jesus prioritized prayer. He prioritized spending time with God. He prioritized spending time with people, his friends. Um, he prioritized helping others, working for others and healing them and teaching them. And um, I think that Jesus is, is the gold standard of mental health. Um, he knew his identity. And you look in the Garden of Gethsemane, struggled with his identity a little at times. Like, do I really have to do this? Is this, is there another way? Can I be someone else? And, you know, God had to minister to him. As I was saying, you have to have people minister to you sometimes. Even Jesus needed that. And um, just kind of said, hey, listen, this is, this is how it has to be. And, and Jesus accepts his identity. He says, okay, not my will, but your will be done. And that's why we say, you know, let this mind be in us. That is also You see Jesus as a youth, and he is a model to us in all aspects of life. And we see his youth, and if we zone in on, we're, we're youth, so it would yeah, probably be pretty so important. So am I, actually. By definition, I'm under 35. Really? No. That, that is super cool. You should, you should join, you should join your, Pathfinder. Lose your beard. <laughs> no, it's growing season. It's, no. it's growing season. No, it's bulky yeah, yeah, yeah. season. Just wait. Till no. <laughs> well, um, you see Jesus in his youth. He was a good example to us. Um, a lot of, uh, I think Andrew, he had a, a Wednesday night prayer meeting for us. Andrew Canelius. Down at the, yeah, at the academy. And he, he really emphasized how society is, has changed our role from consumer uh, from producers into consumers and how we are consumers now and that was um, you see Jesus in his childhood I, I you couldn't describe him as a consumer he definitely was not he was producing joy he was producing love he was uh, he was kind of ambiated that type of persona around him and to the people around him not only to his family but those around him and you like you said he is the example of prime mental health and you can see how those aspects are really important. And when we model our teenage years after God, we kind of see that our teenage years are they're building blocks for the rest of our life. Yeah, it, it's not impossible to make those big changes in the later part of your life. Um, it's just as important. But it's a lot easier when you have it nailed yep. down as a youth, just like at Weimar. They're trying to nail us down into that. Kind of crucify you. They're trying to... They're trying to put us on yeah. the right path. They're trying to set us right for eternity. And um, especially in my devotions, there's one verse I've been going over. First Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 2 is a great chapter, and Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where it's talking about um, the youth. One of the verses was, Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you say, I will find no joy in them. And it's important for us to nail that, um, nail it, down on ourselves that we need to emphasize a relationship with God. We need to remember our Creator, especially now, because that's where true mental health comes from. We we might have a whole bunch of variables surrounding us, a whole bunch of different stuff that's going wrong around us. But if we have that connection with God, we can actually achieve good mental health mm. anywhere, which is just something crazy, especially yeah. for me. Yeah. Well, you said just it. I think that anywhere, basically, you could be in. I don't know, in the middle of Ukraine right now mm. and still have that sense of peace, that good mental health, even though your neighbor's yeah. house is burning. Peace even in war. Oh, that brings us to, there's a spiritual warfare going on around us mm. right now. The devil and his angels are constantly um, targeting the youth 
Um, they're targeting everyone, but the youth especially because yeah. we are the ones who will carry the later generations. And actually, mm. he he tempts us with music, with appetite, with he could actually use anything as a temptation. Oh, and porn, uh, media, just a lot of mm. trash stuff. Actually, shopping. Oh my. I have a testimony. <laughs> <laughs> but God, back on um, God and us, the reason why He is so important because He is always constant. We as humans are always going back and forth on our work. Yeah. We always say, God, I'm going to commit to this now. And then you just find us the next day doing it again and asking Him to forgive us again. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, that that's so key because if we didn't feel like we could trust God, if we had seen God as inconsistent or someone that sometimes cares and sometimes, you know, he's, he's too busy helping someone else to help me, um, then that's no good. <laughs> you know, that's not something that's really going to encourage us, even on a mental level, to, to trust. That's a mental thing. It's a spiritual thing, but it's something that you do with your mind. You know, to trust God, to believe Him, to have faith in His Word. Um, the fact that He is so consistent, um, yes, highlights our inconsistencies, but I think it encourages us also, if your mindset is right, to be more like that. You know, you can, you can be negative and be like, oh, I can never be consistent. God is consistent. I'm so inconsistent. Or you can be like, you know what? God is incredibly consistent. And he sent his son as a man to show us that we can also be consistent. And so that's how I want to live. I want to live a life where I am consistently good to everyone around me. Um, and there's times in that when I'm going to be bad. And praise the Lord that I have a consistently good God that can bring me back onto the right path. Well, I think um, this this question actually... I would say epitomizes really what we've been talking about all the time. Um, can we as teenagers establish mental health or slash good mental health considering how fast our minds changing? Like Chris has been saying, our minds are literal jelly right now. There are so many factors like high school, if you're anywhere and even in Weimar, surprising, but there's drama at Weimar. There's, there's drama There's at all that gooey stuff that you'll find anywhere. There's, there's all that gooey stuff that you'd find in any other high school there. Because we're teenagers, like it or not. We're going to go through that type of stuff. And it's, it's just like, you don't trust yourself. Like, is this decision me? Is it what's God telling me to do? Or is it like my mind going absolutely psychotic and just... Satan. Yeah, yeah or Satan. There's just, there's just so many... You, it's like you can't trust yeah, you anything. Know, science tells us that there's... Um, Science tells us, whoever that is, but science tells us that there are two main periods in our lives where our brains are most active. And it's one is when we're a baby, because we're just constantly taking things in and trying to learn stuff at a rapid rate. Um, and then again, as a teenager, when we're now we're pruning a lot and kind of making decisions as to who and what we're going to be. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, is it possible for teenagers to have? really good mental health sure theoretically um it might not be likely 
But I think what you can do is you can definitely put things in place to give yourself the best possible chance. You know, if you're eating well, you're exercising well, you're drinking well, you're getting good air and, you know, you're getting a lot of sleep at night, which we really encourage. Yeah, if you're making like good lifestyle choices and developing certain habits, I think you're, you're putting yourself in a place to have a much better experience um, on all levels, physical, mental, social, spiritual. Um, but since we're talking about mental, I think that, that that can have a profound effect. That doesn't mean that, you know, if you're doing all of these things right now, that you shouldn't be struggling with conflicting thoughts or identity issues and stuff like that. It's going to happen. Um, but what you can do is say, okay, what can I do within my power, my limited power right now to give myself the best chance of being healthy? Um, and I think the more often we're able to make good decisions along that line, the better chance we have of, of growing up to be, to having a sound mind. So just like you said, we have to do what we can with our limited resources, especially at this age where we are unconfident in our decisions and what we have to do. Um, it's, it's important now more than ever to be able to develop that strong relationship with God so that we are truly in tune with his voice to be able to start each day by surrendering totally to him. That way we can find his true will for our lives. And while we might have still those voices telling us that maybe you should do this, maybe you should do that, whether it's Satan's voice or maybe the voice of our, our jelly mind, like you said, Krista. And um, above those voices, we should be able to hear God's voice far louder and far clearer than any of those showing us the right decision to make, the best decision to make during those times. On that note, I'd like to hand it over to Q. He's not only my roommate, canvassing partner, but a great example of a growing young Christian man. It's going to leave us with a finalizing devotional thought. First things first, I just want to speak on the aspect that maybe you're struggling with talking to God right now. Some of us may feel distant from God. Some of us may not feel like God is right there with us. God is right there. Like every step we take, God is just distant. God is just not there right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to encourage you that God is there in your life, whether it feels like that or not, whether it feels like that or not. God will send people and has sent people in your life today. There's so many scenarios and situations that when I look back and I was like, wow, God, you were really there. Things could have got dangerous. Things could have been physically, mentally, emotionally. It could have broke me. It could have changed the whole type of person I am today. Until I realized that God sent somebody my way and helped me get back up on my feet. That God may have sent my sister, may have sent, in your case, your sibling or that friend at church, that friend at school, maybe an older, a older parent or an older mentor. God will send people to help you. Whatever you're going through right now, give it up to God because he will make it your testimony. Like you'll be able, isn't that so cool to imagine that you'll be able to look back a few years from now 
and say you struggled with worrying, guilt, fear. And by saying you gave it up to God, you've overcome all of that. And you can successfully say that that is your testimony. That's just so powerful for me. Because throughout so many scenarios, there's times where I just felt so distant to God. And throughout so many things, by giving it up to him as a young as a young Christian man myself, and as I'm learning to learn how to just give it up to God, he's taught me so many things. And he will and has made it my testimony. So give up worrying. Maybe your, your mental health will improve. I'm here to encourage you again. Your mental health will improve by giving it up to God. And lastly, ladies and gentlemen, I want to end on this. God is 100%. He will always be there for you. Not 25. Not 99. Not even 99.9. But God is always going to be there with you 100%. And when you give it to God... I need you to know that the communication may feel distant sometimes. At times, there may be times where you don't know if he's there or not. But he is there, and he's walking every single step of the way. And whatever you're going through now, it will be a part of your testimony. Give it up to God. Do you want to give your, give your life to God 100%? When you give your life to God, he would change. He would change you. Your mental health will improve when you give it to God. And that was the latest episode of Proven, a Weimar Academy podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our school, visit weimaracademy.org. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcasting platforms. Before you go... I'd encourage you to check out our social media, too. We're always posting about our school's latest events and happenings on Instagram, Facebook, and even YouTube. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.